0: And I ask you tonight to please open your Bibles to the book of 1st John, 1st John chapter 4. It's in the New Testament, of course, 1st John chapter 4. It's very close to the end of the Bible, so if you're not familiar with the Bible, if you'll just keep going, you'll eventually come to 1st John chapter 4. If you come to the book of Concordance, you went too far. Just go back a little bit and you'll find 1st John chapter 4. We have a couple of Howells Anderson graduates here tonight, and I have to say that for their sake so they can find it. (laughs) Isn't the Bible an amazing book? It's It's a miracle book. And here we are three days in a row, one day and three, now the third night in a row. And look at how many people are here tonight, and they came for one reason to hear what somebody's got to say about this book right here. Isn't that amazing? And some of you have been doing that every week and multiple times a week for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. And you still just keep coming back because of this book. And, you know, folks have been doing that for over 1,000 years now. And portions of the book, they've been get, gathering around it for over 2,000 years now. And some of it even longer than that. But what an amazing book. I'm thankful that we have it and that we have a a copy of it in our language that God has inspired and preserved for us. Praise the Lord. Tonight I'm not sure that I'll uh, raise my voice even one time the entire time I'm preaching. In fact, if I do, it'll surprise me. I have surprised myself before, but, but I don't know that I will tonight. The first several minutes while we're getting into this tonight, I'm going to attempt to teach a Bible study. I'm I'm not a Bible teacher. I, I've worked at a college for 45 years. <laughs> it's amazing. I've I've uh, I literally started out sweeping the floor, and that was my first job, literally. And uh, I've I've taught there for over 30 years now. I've on the administration for over 25 years, served as executive vice president and president, now vice chancellor, and I've never taught one Bible class <laughs> at, at a Bible college, <laughs> so I don't know that I'll, I don't know that I really know how to do a Bible study. But I'm going to attempt tonight to teach a Bible study. And most of my messages, uh, I pretty well know exactly where I'm going. I pretty well have it written out almost word for word. Uh, the message last night, I doubt I said five words last night that I didn't plan to say. But tonight, I don't know for sure that, that I'll do that. I've got some notes written down, but I'm not sure we'll stay with them, and, and I'm not sure I'll cover all of them. But I do know where I'm going. You may not think I do <laughs> in the beginning, but I know where I'm going, and when we get there, I think you'll understand uh, why God wanted us to go there tonight. We're going to begin in a very familiar passage, 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to begin with verse 7. Verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. I want you to notice that phrase, if you would, please. For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. And he that loveth not knoweth not God. Notice this phrase. For God is love. We should love each other because God is love. And because love comes from God. We're not to love each other because he's a good guy. Or we're not to love each other because we know how to love. But we are to love each other because love is of God. For love is of God. That's the reason we're to love each other. You know, the reason I love Brother Tim is not because he's a good guy. Even though he is, he's a very good guy. I love him very dearly. Respect him to the moon and back. But that's not why I love him. I don't love Brother Tim because I know how to love. I love Brother Tim because I'm delivering something to Brother Tim that I got from God. Love is of God. And since love is of God, we're to love each other. When I first started dating the young lady that became my wife and has been my wife now for 42 years, I wanted to give her love, not just uh, a a warm feeling. I didn't want to just like her because she was pretty even though she was and is. I wanted to give her love. So before I asked her to date me the first time, I say date me, the first time we had a date, we sat in chapel together at college. But before I asked her to sit with me in chapel that day, I fasted and prayed for 24 hours and asked God to give me love, whatever amount of love a young man was supposed to have for a girl that he admired and hoped to get to know. I wanted to have that much love before I asked her, so I fasted and prayed for 24 hours and asked God to give me love for her. We sat together in chapel, and that's quite a story. I won't go into tonight, tonight, but some of the college students know it's quite a story. But anyway, um, then I decided about a week later that I enjoyed being with her so much, and she seemed to endure it, that, uh, that I wanted to do it again. So I fasted and prayed for 24 hours, and I asked God to give me the amount of love that I was supposed to have the second time. You... Said in chapel with a girl that you admire and hope to get to know. We dated for almost two years, not quite, about a year and eight or nine months before we got married. We dated probably 14 months, I think it was, maybe 15 months before we got engaged. Every single time I asked her for a date until we got engaged, I fasted and prayed for 24 hours before I asked her for, my next, for the next day. I wanted to give her some love that came from God. I wanted to give her real love, not just a warm feeling. Not just, wow, you sure are pretty, I like you. Love is of God. There's nowhere else to get it. I can't generate love. I can't sit over there in that chair beside Brother Tim and think, I really love Brother Tim, I really love Brother Tim, I really love Brother Tim, I really love... And, and love Brother Tim. That doesn't work that way. The only way I can love Brother Tim is the same way I, only way I can love my wife is if I get it from God and deliver it to, to the person that I, that I want to love. You don't need to turn here, but I'll, I'll turn uh, quickly to a, a passage here that's very familiar to you. The Bible says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The reason that we love each other is because love comes from God. And the way God commended or showed His love to us is that, that He let Christ die for us. God did not, God did not, and God does not love me because I am good. No, while, I, while we were yet sinners, God loved us because God is love and love is of God. Now if you look at verse 9, verse 9 says, In this was manifested the love of God towards us. Now the word manifested is a big word. It's got more than two syllables and so that kind of confuses me. So I looked it up today, and the word manifested means to display or show a quality or a feeling by your action. You see, love is not a feeling. Love is an action. Love is not how I feel. Love is what I do. If I love you, that doesn't mean I feel something about you. If I love you... I perform a series of acts that manifest or that shows that love. The love is not the feeling I have on the inside. The love is the manifestation. You know, the Bible says, for God so loved the world, period. That wouldn't do me and you any good, would it? If there was a God way up there in heaven somewhere that loved us, And boy, every time he saw us, he got a tear in his eye. And every time he thought about us, he got a lump in his throat. And every time he thought about me, he thought, boy, I really like that guy. But all he did was sit up there in heaven and feel that way. (laughs) That wouldn't do me any good. But the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. He manifested his love. He showed his love to me by, by doing something. Verse 9 says, "In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him." God did not just say He loves us, He shows it. He showed it. You see, love not expressed is not love at all. I want you to listen to that statement carefully, and I want you to remember that statement throughout the rest of the evening. Love not expressed is not love at all. Now listen to these next couple of statements because you're you're, if you don't listen carefully, you're going to leave here tonight and say, Brother Young's a heretic. You may say that anyway, but I, I want you to be able to say it accurately if you're going to say it. But, but listen to this statement. God had to create us. God didn't decide... He wanted to create us. God had to create us. God is love. And that love had to be expressed or it would not have been love. It wouldn't have been love and if God had not expressed his love, he would not have been God. God is love. And love has to be expressed to be love. If I just feel like I love you, that gives me a warm feeling. And I feel better because I love you. But if I don't express that love to you, you don't feel any better. So I'm not sure that's love. In fact, I'm sure that's not love. That's selfishness. If all I do is feel toward you and keep it inside, it makes me feel good. That's not love. That's a selfish feeling that I'm having. But when I take that feeling I have inside of me and I express it to you, now it does you some good. And so now you have been loved. You weren't loved by me just sitting here thinking about you. I was selfishly using you to emode on so I'd feel better. And if all God did was say, God is love, period, and it never went any further than that, that wouldn't really be love. But God manifested His love to us by letting His Son come into the world. And so God had to have someone to whom to express His love. I guess He didn't want to... I, I guess some reason He didn't pick the kangaroos. <laughs> he didn't pick the donkeys. He didn't pick the camels. He didn't pick the bullfrogs. <laughs> he, he picked me and you to express that love to us. And so he had to create us in order to have someone to whom to express his love. Listen to this statement. We are not a decision God made. We are a result of who God is. He had to create us because he had to express love because he is love. God did not decide to make us and then decide to love us. God is love. He had to express that love, and so we are the object of His love. God is love. That love had to be manifested or it had to be expressed. God did not just decide to love us just because He felt sorry for us. Now listen to this statement. It's this my third statement I'm going to make that you're going to say I'm a heretic unless you listen carefully. God actually needs us in order to be God. If he had no one to whom to express his love, he wouldn't be God because God is love and love has to be expressed. Now, I don't know what any of that means, but it sounds real good. God is love. Love is is not love unless it is is expressed. In order to be God, God had to express His love because God is love. And the love not expressed is not love at all. You know a husband cannot love without a wife? Now think about that for a minute. Now he might be a loving brother. He might be a loving son. But a husband cannot love without a wife. There's no wife. he's, He's not a husband. God cannot be God without someone to whom to express his love. A parent cannot love without a child. Now, that child may be sitting beside you. That child may be in Africa. That child may be in heaven. But a parent cannot love without a child. Now, you may be a loving neighbor. You may be a loving church member. You may be a loving Sunday school teacher, but you're not a parent unless there's a child. And again, the child may be in heaven, but there is a child. Or otherwise, you would not be a parent. There is a wife, or you're not a husband. You can't be a husband without a wife. You can't love, a husband cannot love unless there's a wife to, to, to receive that love. Now, whether she receives it or not is a different issue, but, but, but you can't be a husband without a wife. And God can't be God without us, for whom He expresses His love. God doesn't love me because he'd look down one day and say, "Oh, hey, Gabriel, look down there. There's a bunch of people running around all over the place. I sure feel sorry for them. Why don't we love them? Jesus, you'll love them. Holy Spirit, you want to love them? OK, guys, if you all agree, I think we'll love them. That's not, that's not the way it happened. God didn't. We're not an after, God's love for us is not an afterthought. God didn't decide to love us after Adam and Eve sinned and that now they needed somebody to love them. We're a result of God's love. God is love. That love had to be manifest or expressed. The way God manifests or expressed that love was by sending His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Not just live this life that is a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away, but live for eternity in heaven instead of dying for eternity in hell as we discussed last night. And there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. If you want to, turn to Romans chapter 8, but hold your place there in First John because we're going to come back to it in a minute. But if you want to turn with me, turn to Romans chapter 8. And I want to show you a very familiar passage. Every passage we're looking at tonight is going to be extremely familiar. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor death nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, the way he expressed his love to us is through Jesus Christ our Lord by sending his only begotten Son here to the earth. However, we do not fully understand the love of God and will not as long as we live in this flesh. The Bible says, The natural man receiveth not the things of God for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. You see, we have a problem. Listen to me carefully, here's our problem. God is love, therefore that love must be expressed or manifested or it's not love. And God did manifest that love by sending His only begotten Son into the world. However, you and I are natural. We live in flesh. And we do not discern or we do not understand or we do not receive the things of God, the truths of God, the love of God. You see, our eyes cannot see, our ears cannot hear, our mind cannot understand, our heart cannot absorb the love of God. It's like a a child. There's no child in this room tonight under the age of 12 that fully comprehends the love of their mother. When you went to the store and bought the groceries, that child did not fully understand that you were loving him while you were buying those groceries. When you washed the sheets that he slept under last night, he did not fully understand that you were loving him while you were washing those sheets. While you prepared the food this morning for his breakfast or his supper tonight, that child did not fully understand that you were loving him while you were doing that. While you washed and dried and folded and ironed his clothes, he did not fully understand that you were loving him while you were doing that. While you vacuumed the carpet and mopped the floor, he did not understand that you were loving him while you were were doing that. When you took him to the doctor and to the dentist and to the ball game and to the uh, uh, birthday party, uh, that child did not understand that, that you were loving him while you were doing that And neither did you or I understand that about our mother when we were that age. But you do now. Now that you're 40 years of age, you understand how much your mother loved you. Now that you're 50 years of age, you understand how much your mother loved you. Now that you're 60 or 70 years of age and you've reared your children and you've loved your children, you now understand that all those things your mother or your father were doing for you, that they were loving you, And we will understand in ages to come, the Bible says, that in ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness towards us through Jesus Christ. The day will come when you and I will understand the love of God. But right now, we do not fully understand the love of God. In fact, tonight, I've got you very, very confused about the love of God. Before you came here tonight, you thought you understood the love of God. But now I've got you confused. And we will never completely understand the love of God in this lifetime right now. But right now I don't understand the love of God and neither can I explain it to you. The Bible says which things also we speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches but which the Holy Ghost teaches. You see the problem is this God is love, and that love has to be manifest. He manifested it through Jesus Christ. But I don't understand that love that was manifest to me through Jesus Christ. I don't fully understand it. But not only did God love me, Jesus loved me while he was manifesting the love of the Father. Because you see, God and Jesus are one. That's hard for me and you to understand. The only thing that kind of comes close to explaining it, and it really doesn't, but sort of, you know, the only time on this earth that you and I understand one plus one equals one is at marriage. One man plus one woman equals one. They become one. And, And that's sort of a very weak illustration of the fact that God and Jesus are one, but God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, all three are one. And the problem is I've got a God in heaven that loves me, and that God expressed His love or manifested His love or showed His love or commended His love through Jesus Christ, His Son, by letting His Son come to the world, live in this world, live a perfect life, never sinned, died on the cross, was buried, rose again. All of that was an expression or a manifestation of God's love to me, but I can't comprehend that because I live in flesh. So, the Holy Spirit, the third part of one God, that's God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, He came to this earth and He's dwelling here among us tonight so that He can explain to us (laughs) some of the love of God. It's not by man's wisdom. It's not by man's words. I'm sorry. I, okay, you won't believe me when I say this, but but this is the honest truth. I got out of bed this morning. I took a shower. I, got down, I went downstairs. I walked on the treadmill. I went back upstairs. I uh, sat down at my desk, and I began writing out word for word, as close as I could, what I was going to try to say tonight. Brother Mark came and picked me up today at lunch, at, at noon, and I got back to my room about 1.00, 25, I think it was. I sat back down at that desk. I stayed there until 6:35. Um, I got up and I kept, and I worked all day today trying to figure out how to explain to you that God loves us and He expressed that love through His Son. And I realize I'm miserably failing tonight because the Bible says it cannot be explained with the words of man. But there is a Holy Spirit that's in this room right now, and He is talking to you in a Language that you can't understand. Your spirit can absorb and understand what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to you tonight. The Bible tells us, you don't need to turn to it, I'll just turn quickly. In Revelation chapter 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him, and he with me. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Tonight, the Holy Spirit is in this room with us right this minute. In a sense, God is here, but in a sense, God is in heaven. In a sense, Jesus is here, but in a sense, Jesus is, is at the right hand of God, sitting there uh, as our advocate. But in every sense, the Holy Spirit is right here with us tonight, and right now, the Holy Spirit is not on your door and he's trying to get in so he can further explain to you the love of God if you're not saved yet he's knocking on your door because he wants to come in and explain to you that God loves you if you're already saved he's knocking on your door and at the door of your heart and he wants to come in tonight and further explain the love of God to you I remember when I was in the third grade at that time, my family and I were still attending church on a regular basis. I've told you many times before that when I was 15 years of age, I was a bus kid and went to church that way. But when I was very young, my family attended a Southern Baptist church. And when I was in the third grade, we were still attending regularly. And one Sunday, I was walking out the lobby of the church uh, after the service, and there was a track rack hanging on the wall there. And my buddy, Mike Turhune, said, Hey, Ray, those tracks are free. Why don't you take one? I had no idea what a track was, but it was free, so I wanted one. So I reached up and I got one of those tracks and I stuck it in my pocket and I went home. When I got home that day, my mother saw that track, that salvation track in my pocket. My mother thought that I was interested in how to get saved. So bless her heart, my mother, who wasn't even saved yet at the time, thought she was but wasn't, she, she took me to the bedroom, my bedroom after lunch that day and I remember sitting uh, on the edge of my bed next to my mother and my mother read that tract to me. And my mother, bless her heart, did the very best she could to try to explain to me how to get saved. And while she was talking to me about how to get saved, I started feeling uncomfortable. In fact, my heart started beating a little faster than it normally did. I did not understand at the time, but I do now, what was happening was the Holy Spirit was there in the room with us because even though my mother wasn't saved, she was using the Word of God. And while she was planting that seed, the Holy Spirit was standing there and He was knocking at my door. And when my mother got through explaining that track, she said, now, Ray, Would you like to trust Christ as your Savior? And I had no idea what that meant, but I knew my mother wanted me to say yes, so I said, Yes, ma'am. She said, Okay, then let's pray together. And my mother prayed, and I had my head bowed. I didn't say anything. And when she finished praying, she said, Now, Ray, do you know you're saved? And I knew she wanted me to say yes, so I said yes, but I knew I was lying. And you know, when she got up and left the bedroom, that knocking was still there. And you know, the next morning when I got up to go to school, that knocking was still there. When I came home that afternoon, I was out in the front yard playing with some of my buddies, and that knocking was still there. I saw the preacher's car drive up in our front yard. And I thought, oh, brother, I know what this is about. <laughs> Mom told him what happened last night, uh, yesterday, and he wants to talk to me about it. And so f- sure enough, a few minutes, Mom called me in the house, and I sat down in the living room, and my preacher, bless his heart, he tried his best. He tried to re-explain to me what Mom had explained to me the day before, and he said, now, Ray, do you know for sure you're saved? And boy, that knocking got a little, a little faster <laughs> and a little louder. And I said, uh, uh, yes, sir, I I understand. I had no idea. I I I did not understand. He said, okay, that's great. Ray. We'll baptize you this coming Sunday night. And so Sunday night I got baptized. And you know, after I got baptized that Sunday night, that knocking was still there. Later that year, an evangelist came to our church. He was a youth evangelist. So on Sunday morning, during the Sunday school hour, he preached to all the children in the Sunday school uh, assembly room. He had what we now call a junior church. Back then, nobody had thought of that word yet, but he preached what you'd call a junior church. And during that sermon, I realized that what my mom had tried to do for me was get me saved and go to heaven. I did finally figure out that much. And so I decided, well, since it didn't work last time, I'll walk down front at the end of the when he gets through preaching, and and maybe I'll get it this time. So I went down there, and there was a Sunday school teacher. I've forgotten his name, but I can see his face. Very, very friendly, nice man, Uh, good man as far as I know. And he took a Bible, and he opened it up, and he read some verses to me. And he said, now, Ray, let's pray together. And he prayed, but I didn't. But when we finished, that knocking was still there. He took me to the main auditorium and he took me to my dad and he said, Mr. Young, your son got saved a few minutes ago, didn't you, Ray? And I said, yes, sir. But that knocking was still there. Within the next year, we quit going to church. I didn't go back to church, a church service, one time in the next five years. But one time during that five years, I did go to a revival meeting. Nobody else in my family went, but I went with uh, some friends. And that night, the preacher preached on hail, something vaguely similar to what I preached last night. And he told the story that I told Sunday morning about the sparrow transplanting the earth that taken so long and eternity had just begun. And boy, that night when he told that, that knocking got louder and faster. And I was embarrassed because I'd already walked the aisle twice. I'd already been baptized once. And there was a bunch of teenagers there that night. They all knew me. I went to school with them. But (laughs) I was scared. But I said, man, i got to go down. And I went down front. And the same thing, a man took a Bible. And we knelt right over here on this side. A bunch of other people were doing the same thing. And he read the Bible to me. And he prayed. And he shook my hand. And they lined me up across the front and everybody came by and shook my hand that night. Some teenage girls were crying and they were just shaking my hand and telling me they were so happy. But when I left that service that night, and you know for the next, I don't remember exactly, four or five years, two or three years, every day, I don't care what I was doing, I don't care, especially at night when I lay down to go to sleep. Every night. Every night, I without fail, here's what I thought. God, don't let me die tonight. Because if I do, I'm going to go to hell. Because I still haven't understood it yet. I've tried three times, but I, I just didn't get it. And then you've all know the story. I was 15 years old. A bus captain invited me to a special meeting on a Monday night. And I've told you before let, how I was sitting in the back. And that knocking was there. And that night, when I said, I don't care what anybody thinks, I'm getting saved tonight. And I said, I'm going to go down front as soon as they give the invitation. And they didn't give an invitation. And the Holy Spirit said, you don't have to wait. You can get saved right now. For the first time since I was in the third grade, I didn't hear that knocking anymore. Because now the door was open. And the Holy Spirit had been standing there knocking all that time. Isn't he patient? Isn't he kind? In ye- in ages to come, we will understand the kindness of God through Jesus Christ. Right now, I don't fully comprehend it, but I thank God. I don't hear the knocking anymore. Like to have every head bowed and every eye closed.